Hello, and welcome to Near Death Discussions Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Shreve. Today, we're going to talk about the experience of Eleanor W. This is a recent experience on enderf.org. Uh, and I, I find it a very beautiful experience. Um, before we jump into this experience, I just would like to say, if you have any uh, any notes, any stories of your own that you'd like to share, stories from your family that you'd like to share, please feel free to email me. My email is ndiscussions at gmail.com. Uh, and I'm more than happy to, to take a look at um, things that you've experienced or others uh, have experienced. It, it's always nice when there's a personal element to it, when you when you know the person, when you've been able to talk to the person and and ask the questions. Um, and uh, but but into this experience with Eleanor, I have found myself um, in my own experience. I've I've just had obviously I had this obsession with other people's near death experiences. Uh, finding those things that were similar to mine and finding those things that that I would have loved to have seen myself but maybe didn't didn't see um, but there's so much similarity to these experiences that I really really trust these um, and as I've gone on there's there's kind of been a new obsession for me and it, it's happened through reading some of these near-death experiences that there's a real um, I, I don't want to sound nerdy. I don't want to, don't want to take away from the special element, but there's a, for some, there's almost a travel through space, right? And as, uh, and, and that will, that's kind of the, the experience here. There's a unique experience that, that Eleanor has, uh, that she shows here. But seeing this travel through space and we're at a time when men are trying to get to Mars and I just, I think that we're, I, I think that Mars is probably a pathetic planet in the, in the grand scheme of thing, things and the effort that it takes to get there is enormous. And yet um, we, we see some of these experiences, particularly in Sandy T's experience that she was just able to travel able to go to different worlds and uh, things like that. But I, I'd like to start, uh, just start reading Eleanor's experience and, and then just discuss some of the, the insights that I have or some of the things that I think are beautiful about her experience. So Sandy, uh, excuse me, Eleanor, her experience occurred in 1997. And um, she said that she was, uh, I'll just go ahead and, and read this. She says, I was 14 years of age. I was a deeply unhappy youth due to vicious bullying at school. The suicide of my father a few years prior and gender identity issues, which seemed unsurmountable at that age. Suicide was very strongly in my mind. <clears throat> I had previously taken steps to end my life but I had been interrupted before I could do so. I was lying in bed late at night, feeling utterly miserable about myself and my life. My thoughts changed to a humor about my situation. Wow, your goose is cooked, kid. What a mess. I started to laugh heartily, which made me feel differently. 
For some reason, it felt right to cross my arms over my shoulders in a position of repose, a bit like how ancient Egyptians sometimes used to lay a, a pharaoh to rest. Suddenly, I was no longer in my body. I slipped out and was looking down at my body, lying in bed. The world faded to black, and out of this void appeared a colossal golden yellow disc, an oblate spheroid thicker in the middle and tapering roundly at the side, a bit like an egg yolk on a frying pan. The disc oriented towards me face on. Orbiting this golden disc were about 40 white orbs, vertically oriented, all in line, which encircled the disc. I didn't know it at the time, but the discs and orbs uh, form seem sim similar to descriptions of uh, Ophanim, angels in the Bible, as a ring or concentric rings surrounded by eyes. I was not afraid. I felt safe somehow. I felt anything, I, if I felt anything, it was simply curiosity. I zoomed in towards the discs and orbs form, and as I got very close, I saw that it was itself constructed out of the same form at a smaller scale. The zooming continued in, and recursively each sublevel was made from the same form. Then the zooming slowed paused and reversed. I zoomed outward further and further in the reverse process, where each of the smaller forms, which zoomed away from me into this distance, was replaced by a colossal version of the same form, which it constituted. This was clearly some kind of fractal structure. <clears throat> then it faded back again briefly like a long, slow blink, and the scene changed. It was the disc again. But now I was looking up at it, and its orientation was oblique, partially angled away from me. I zoomed into the disc again, and now instead of smaller versions of the same form, I saw a dark rectangular sector on the disc, a bit like one might see on a CD-ROM looking under a microscope. Something told me telepathically that this space was reserved for me. One day, your essence, your spirit, your experiences will find a home there. Nothing is ever to be lost or destroyed. I promise you, all will work out fine in the end. There's no need to worry. But you have plenty of things to be getting on with. So go live your life well. I felt so much incredible love from this entity. The entity of of the love I felt from it, intense. Excuse me. The intensity of the love I felt from it is indescribable, and the bliss that I felt in myself beholding that it was beyond ecstasy. Suddenly, I was back in my body again, still with incredibly intense feelings of love, joy, and acceptance. I looked at my alarm clock, and with a shining LED display. No time seemed to have gone by. I lay there trying to take in my experience for a moment. I happened to glance back and saw that time had advanced by a half hour or so. Amazed, I looked away, and then I looked back, and ten minutes or so had passed. I started blinking, 
in darting my eyes around and every time I and every time the clock display advanced several minutes slowly the rate of time observed began to slow only a few minutes passed soon only every other blink or glance only advanced time by a minute I basked in the afterglow of this experience bewildered but deeply appreciative uh beautiful experience to to some there's not a lot to this but um uh, and and number one this this isn't a, a true near-death experience but it's an out-of-body experience and and i think that so often we see these out-of-body experiences in moments of crisis um the suicide of her father her her own suicide was being contemplated um you know, to the point that she was just had nothing to do except for laugh at the situation that she was in. <clears throat> but there's a, a true desperation here. And I think that this experience was probably there to say, don't don't make any any rash decisions. But the way that she describes these these discs, uh, you know, uh, there appeared a colossal golden yellow disc, um, an oblate spheroid thicker than in the middle. Uh, I, I love when somebody has a command of the English language. Um, it, it's, it's just amazing how they can describe things. But speaking of orbiting, there was something orbiting this disc. And, and as she zoomed in, it, it was essentially made up of the same thing. I zoomed in towards the discs and orbs form. And as I got very close, I saw that it was itself constructed out of the same form at a smaller scale. And, and this is what's amazing to me as I've, um, I've, I've felt this draw toward space. <clears throat> um, partially because of near-death experiences and partially recognizing that the heavens as we call space and and heaven there there are something so so well connected um and and <clears throat> i just have this overwhelming feeling that there's so much more to it so much more to understand and uh the the web uh, I forget what it's called, the Webb Hubble Telescope um, or the Webb Telescope has has now these newer, more defined images. It, it just is presenting these beautiful images, images of, of galaxies and solar systems and just all these things are being presented, are being viewed within these these images. Um, and and I, I read a book in, during this curiosity, a, a book that spoke very similar to what Eleanor had said. <clears throat> this book had, had kind of discussed the idea that, that we are rotating. Our solar system is rotating around a star. And there's so many, I should look it up, but it's, the numbers that they throw out just sound made up because they're so massive. But if we were to count the number of stars that had it had rotating um, 
you know, at least one planet rotating. I, I believe it's in the hundred of, hundreds of millions just within the Milky Way galaxy. And, and then what do they estimate the number of galaxies to be, you know, tens of billions. And, and so you, you multiply those and it's, it's just an unfathomable number, how much is going on. And, and, but, but we see, uh, we see a repeat of the way things are formed. There's very much an orbit within our solar system. And then outside of our solar system, there's very much an orbit. To some of you, this may not seem like that new of a concept, but it's actually pretty new to me to realize that that each galaxy has its own rotation within it. And so within each galaxy, there are millions and millions of of solar systems um, orbiting around. And just like our solar system, in the center of each galaxy is is a brighter area. There's an infinitely brighter area. And as we look at some of these images, as we look at some of the images through the, the Webb telescope, um, we see that in these galaxies, there's always there's always the brighter area. And it and then there's a slightly there's an area that's not quite as bright, and then it it kind of dissipates a little bit. But it's very much like, like she explains, this egg. That there's essentially an egg um, that's where the yolk is more compact in the middle. Um, but, but another thing that's really fascinating to me is that often these, these stars within the middle of galaxies and, and whatnot are so bright. And yet, outside of our own sun we're often protected we're we're protected from a direct view we're protected by kind of space dust essentially and and the space dust makes these beautiful beautiful patterns through the telescope but i think that there's really something there to what she talks about she's talking about essentially seeing this egg this rotation around an egg and as she zooms in, this egg has rotations around it. You know, there's, it's made up of the same thing, essentially. And if we really look, there's, you know, even at the nuclear, at the nucleus level, there's very similar things in, in this world. <clears throat> but to have this repeating, um, this repeating view as she zooms out to realize that this thing that was so big is now a small part of this thing. I just find it to be very beautiful. Um, you know, another thing she talks about, she talks about these orbs. She talks about seeing orbs and she describes um, them to be similar to Ophanim angels. Uh, sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Um, so she compares it to Ophanim angels in the Bible. Now, um, in the case of the Ark of the Covenant, the Ophanim is, to some, it's just wheels. It's essentially something kind of like wheels to hold up the Ark of the Covenant. You know, the Ark of the Covenant, just like the Noah's Ark, 
typically these are things uh, that are representative of of salvation, right? <clears throat> Temporal salvation, salvation, you know, um, being saved from the flood, being saved in the wilderness. They are they're definitely representations, but the Ark of the Covenant has has something special to it. It's it's got the um, you know it's got the cherubim on it, and then the ophanim on it. Um, and and she says she just she describes the ophanim as as basically angelic, uh, you know, some sort of angelic being. And I I read a little bit about that and and see that there's some Dead Sea Scrolls that that do describe it as 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 such, you know, almost angelic beings holding that up. Or, or at least in the in the case of the Ark of the Covenant, a representation thereof, right? We read about the Ark of the Covenant that they're they're commanded to to build something, build it a certain way, to to represent cherubim and and all these things. <clears throat> so I I found that to be beautiful as well. Um, not only is the Ark of the Covenant a very special thing in Judaism and, and in Christianity, it's essentially, uh, you know, in Ezekiel, we, we basically read that the appearance of the Lord was, was the likeness of the Lord, uh, appeared there and the voice of the Lord was heard there. <clears throat> and, and the, he heard the Lord, Lord speak, but just some, some beautiful ties in, um, just as I was saying, I, I've found a real beauty in connecting things of heaven to this, this place that we've called the heavens. And once again, to, to many of you, it may not seem that, that unique. You may have always known that our galaxy has been, um, you know, there's, there's been a rotation within the galaxy just as there has been in our solar system, just as there is on our earth and with our moon. Um, and you, you may have also easily put together the, the idea that the heaven and heaven and the heavens are, are one and the same uh, in, in a way. And so um, I, I just, the timing of things, I just found this incredibly beautiful. I I found it incredibly moving that she had essentially described the same thing that I had just read. The idea that there is a source of light. There is this great source of light in our solar system, and there's a greater source of light in our galaxy. And throughout, we see this repeated. And... I, I think just as we read in novels and, and in the scriptures, the light represents something greater. I, I think it represents something greater. And as we see light discussed in, in all of these experiences, it's such a beautiful thing. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a tangible thing. That light is love. That light is a feeling of comfort. It's a feeling, she talks about a feeling of acceptance. Uh, she, she felt a feeling of, um, 
of love and joy and acceptance. And this was a, a young lady who was plotting her own suicide and immediately having, after having this experience, she felt love, joy, and acceptance and, and describes those feelings as, as incredible. I just, I think it's beautiful. Just as in every experience, there's such a beautiful element here to, to really look at beautiful feelings that await us. I've seen it discussed in forums and, and people talk as if, as if we have a crutch, you know, that we, we have these experiences where we almost die and our brain immediately finds something that, that we can use as, as hope, as, as a crutch. And I just, I refuse to believe that. And, and I refuse to believe that because that feeling is stronger than, than anything I've ever felt in this life. Uh, and I'm always, always appreciative when we have stories like Eleanor's in which she describes her experience and, and describes that same beautiful feeling. Well, that's all I've got for today. Uh, I do apologize about my voice trailing off a little bit here. Um, please reach out. Reach out. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know your questions. And as I said, you can, you can reach me at nddiscussions at gmail.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks.